are back for another episode of the Joe Show number three. Welcome back, everybody, to the Joe Show episode number three. Back yet for another Wednesday edition of this fine program that you all have so chosen to, to listen to, which I am greatly, eternally grateful for. I hope everyone's having a good week. I know I'm having a good week. It's been a good start to uh, to this week. Um, today, I want to talk about something that's not political. It's got nothing to do with the coronavirus, although maybe towards the end we'll get into that a little bit more. But before we do all of that, I've got to plug our other, the main show, the Standing Brothers show, uh, so if you want to listen to myself and Jacob, uh, you can get that through the same podcast feed as this one. So go check out that. You can, uh, If you're a Patreon subscriber, you can get that on Mondays and Fridays. If you're uh, just like everybody else, you have to get it on Tuesday and Saturday. So if you want to get the show a day early, uh, join the Patreon. Join the website. Send us some money. You'll get the show a day early. Again, you can follow us on the Tweety uh, at Joe Stanberg and at J under at J Standards underscore on the Tweety as well. Check out Jacob's Substack. He's always got good stuff uh, on the Substack. Um, he sent us an email. The email will be down below. You, all the links, all the stuff will be down below. So if you've got any questions, you have any comments, or if you have ideas that you uh, for things that you want me to talk about on Wednesday, please send them um, because I know at some point I probably will run of ide- <laughs> out of ideas. Hopefully I won't, but maybe at some point I'll need some encouragement and or help um so today what i want to talk about is baseball in a controversy that has been brewing over the last i don't know week or so involving the minnesota twins and the chicago white Sox. and what happened was is that tony la Russa, who is a hall of fame manager his record cannot be denied he's a 500 uh, percent manager he has been in the game since 79, I think is when he got his first team. Uh, he managed the Chicago White Sox in 79, uh, or he played, I forget. I forget exactly when he started. Um, he's got three World Series rings, won the World Series three times, once with the Oakland Athletics, and then twice with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I do believe that he is beloved in St. Louis because he was with the Cardinals from 96 to 2011. So he's been with them for a long time. And he's a Hall of Fame manager. He's in the Hall of Fame. He is as old school as old school gets uh, when it comes to managers. He is the he is the old world of things. And why exactly he took a job managing the White Sox in 2021, given the fact that the game has changed so much since his days of playing. I mean, he retired in 2011, 10 years ago. And now he's managing a team 10 years later. And he's thinking, acting like nothing has changed in the world of baseball since then. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but I have nothing but respect for Tony and the old school way of doing baseball um, in the world that he comes from. Because that is the baseball that I know. Um, not because I'm old or anything, but I don't like some of the new things in baseball. I don't like bat flips. I don't like how we have gone from uh, hitting for average and just getting hits to, oh, it's a home run or nothing. I don't like the fact that uh, pitchers only pitch to get strikeouts. Now, yes, strikeouts are cool. They're awesome. One of my favorite players is Randy Johnson. He has over 4,800 strikeouts. Nolan Ryan has 5,700 strikeouts. Their careers and records cannot be denied. 
but there's this there's a shift in baseball where it's more about home runs, strikeouts, and um, things like that. There's no more you know there's no more uh, you know hitting for average. Uh, gone are the days of a Pete Rose or a Ichiro who would just go up just to get the ball and play. It doesn't happen anymore. Um, and the thing with the bat flips, I think it's wildly disrespectful to your oppo- opponents, uh, especially the opposing pitcher, because you're basically showing them up. You're saying, you suck, and I happen to hit a ball. You know, Even if you have a, someone like a John Carl Stanton who can just crush the ball 500 feet, and you, you toss the bat, to me, it, it takes away from the, uh, uh, from the respect for the game. Um, and even when uh, players that have wear a lot, a lot of the gold chains and they have, like, only two of, the, of their buttons buttoned up on their jersey, to me, that's a, it looks sloppy. It looks disrespectful. Um, because you're not only re- representing yourself, you're representing the team, the ownership, your, your other players, the city you come from. So if you go out looking like a bum, well, you're basically kind of saying that your city and everyone that you work for are also bums as well. Now, that's not true for everything, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, and I know a lot of people would disagree with that. I There are people that I've talked about this with who have no problem with the the attitude of players and the bat flips and the chains and everything. They think it's great, and I think it... it kind of denigrates the sport a little bit i think it turns into more of like what something like a basketball is I mean, you know you don't don't try to be basketball or basketball players or don't try to act the same way they act just do what baseball always does which is the greatest sport that to ever exist and to go with the the rules of baseball uh not just the ones that are on the books but there's things that, uh, called unwritten rules of baseball and they're, they're just these things that uh, everyone has somewhat agreed on, I guess, over the years of certain things you don't do. Uh, like you don't steal when you're up in the later half of a game. Uh, if you're up by 10 runs, you don't steal bases. You just don't do that. You know, if you hit, if, if a pitcher intentionally hits one player, then the, then the other team is allowed to come up and intentionally hit another player. You know, now we're cool. You don't, you know, that's just, it's always been assumed that that's okay. And there, there's are, there, there are dozens of uh, rules like this. And one of those rules, apparently, I was unaware of, is that you don't uh, hit, if you're up by a, a large majority of runs, if you're up by, let's say you're up 15 runs, 15 to 4, and you you're up to bat and you've got a 3-0 count, if you have a 3-0 count, you're not supposed to hit the ball. Which to me doesn't make any sense, uh, because if you're here to play a game and you're getting paid a lot of money to play the game, well, then you better hit the ball if you can. So you're not supposed to do that because that's disrespectful to the pitcher, disrespectful to their team, uh, because somewhere down the line, you're not supposed to do that. Now, if you were to do that back in the 90s, yes, that would have been a problem, but today it's just it's not that big of a deal. Well, that's what happened. Um with the with the Chicago White Sox versus the uh, uh, Minnesota Twins, um, this uh, young kid who is on a uh, Yerman Mercedes, who's on a, an incredible rookie season, he's having an incredible year. Uh, he's tearing up the baseball. He's tearing up everything he he does. He's having an outstanding MVP year, you know, rookie of the year kind of season. And they get into a game on a Monday night at Target Field against the the Twins, and they were up. I forget how many runs they were up by. Uh, oh gosh, yeah, I know it was. It was they were up by all, all, almost over ten runs. Um, and he gets to bat, 
and he, he gets to a 3-0 count, and on that third pitch, uh, it was uh, 15-4 to in the ninth inning when uh, when uh, Yerman came, or Mercedes came up to bat. And so he gets a 3-0 count, and he was told to take the pitch, but apparently Mercedes didn't hear the sign. He didn't see the sign. He didn't hear the third base coach or Tony La Russa in the uh, dugout saying so. He gets that 3-0 pitch. It looks good. He knocks it out of the park. 429 feet, 430 feet. And apparently, Tony Arusa came unglued uh, because you're not supposed to do these kinds of things. So, Tony Larusa uh, said he called the swing a big mistake. And he said he missed the sign. Uh, just about the, this is Tony Larusa speaking. Just about the time the guy started to make the pitch, I took several steps from the dugout onto the field yelling, take, take, take. Uh, just the way he was set up, it looked to me like he was going to swing. And the whole time, stupid advertisements, and the whole time he was running the bases, I'm out there, I was upset because that's not the time to swing 3-0. I happened to look over there, and the, tween, the Twins knew that I was upset. So he's trying to signal to the Twins dugout and Rocco Bogdelli, who's the manager of the Twins, saying, I'm upset about this. Uh, please don't retaliate against my players. <laughs> That's basically what he's trying to do. Uh, the third base coach, Joe Irwing, Mick Irwing, had given the take sign. I just think that Mercedes was locked in. He and Astulo, uh, they know each other from different competitions. He was locked in. I've got to get him. I've got to get him. But he missed the 3-0 take sign with that kind of lead. Uh, that's just sportsmanship, respect for the game, respect for your opponent. He goes on to say he made a big mistake, so there will be consequences that he will have to endure within our family, referring to the family as the team. But it won't happen again because Joe will be on the lookout, and I will be too. And we'll go running in front of the pitcher if we have to. He's not going to do that again. Uh, LaRusso basically you know, made the apology to the Twins saying, you know, our guys made a big mistake. It won't happen again. I sent a message over there. It's not acceptable, Larusa said, and I'm certain that it will never happen again with you, uh, Mercedes. They know I was upset, that I was really upset with it, and it shouldn't have happened. I hope it's enough. Uh, the the Twins end up retaliating against Mercedes in the next day, in the next game, the seventh inning. They threw behind him, uh, as to which Tyler Duffy was thrown uh, out, as well as the uh, Rocco Bogdelli was ejected. And after the game, uh, after the game where uh, Mercedes hit the home run, the, the, he broke the unwritten rule. Uh, Mercedes met with reporters before Larusa did, and said the unwritten rules. And in uh, was just having fun. He said, "I'm Yerman. I can't be another person. If I can't, if I can change it, everything is going to change it." I don't. I don't make any sense. Um, so Mercedes leads the majors with a 364 batting average. He's batting over 300, which is that's good. Uh, and he said he won't change his approach if it, if a position player is pitching. Uh, I'm going to stay focused every time. It doesn't matter who's on the mound. He said just focus at home plate. Uh, Larusa goes on to say, well, he's calling this a learning experience. He said after uh, your uh, Mercedes interview. He said, I heard something like that. I play my game. And the Rooster said, no, he doesn't. He plays the game of Major League Baseball. Respects the game. Respects the opponent. Um, 
He's got to respect the signs. When he gets the take sign, he takes. He's in the starting lineup Tuesday, so the consequences is not sitting him down. It's a learning experience, which I... Well, learning what? I don't quite understand what he's supposed to learn here about this supposed unwritten rule. Um, he said... No, Relusa kind of gave a little defense to himself. He said I, he would never... Um, give a, another opponent to take a shot of one of his own players because as a manager, as a manager, you're supposed to protect your players. That's your job. So he would never allow that because I, I think some people were trying to say that he was giving carte blanche to uh, the Twins to retaliate, which I don't think any manager, no matter what they did, would allow another team to do that to one of his players. It's just not how that works. Um, we were taught, Rulerusa says, we were taught from day one: respect the game, respect the competition, respect your opponent. And the way you respect is by both go go out and play and play as hard and as good as you can. And if someday the other team is having a tough day and the decision is final, then you don't steal. You don't hit 3-0. Uh, when is that? That's the manager's decision, so he says. And he goes on to talk about Sparky Anderson and the way that changes have made in ballparks and other things like that. Um and you no, know, he goes on. He, I heard in, in a different video that he said he, if he could, he would have spanked him, or something like that. Um, and in, in another interview, or in that, also in that same interview, uh, he also said that um, that he was clueless. He said the fact that he's a rookie uh, and excited helps explain why he just was clueless. But now he's got a clue. I, I just, I don't understand that. Now, if the case was that he missed the sign and he hit the ball and he hit a home run, okay, that's fine. He missed the sign. That's one thing. Uh, you know, can't really fault him for that. But if the if the issue is he knew that he was not supposed to swing, he knew that the third base coach was saying don't swing. He knew Tony was saying take, 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 as he can hear him behind him from the dugout, that's a different problem. If he disrespected and did not listen to the manager and the third base coach giving him signs, that's a different problem. If that's what happened, then he should be, uh, he should face some kind of consequence for that because you cannot allow that as a manager. If you are, if the boss tells you to do something, you got to do it. It's the same way, you know, everyone else faces in life. When your boss tells you you got to do something, you got to do something. Uh, whether you're, and you know, whether you're stocking shelves at Walmart or you're playing Major League Baseball. So if that's the case where Mercedes just, just completely disregarded the, the uh, rules of the manager, that's a huge problem. And if he, and that could be the case. He's a rookie. He may not understand these things, uh, which is, you know, which is fine. That's a, that's a different problem. Now, the problem I have is this unwritten rule of 3-0. You're not allowed to hit the ball on 3-0 if you're up big time. In the game, I don't understand that. To me, that makes no sense. Um, because in this game, Rocco Bogdelli sent a position player out to pitch. He sent a catcher to pitch the ninth inning. So that tells me right away that Rocco Bogdelli and the Twins have thrown up the white flag and said, you know what, I, we're, we've given up on this game. We're going to save our bullpen. We're going to save the pitchers for the next game. So how can it be disrespectful of Mercedes to take advantage of a 47 mile per hour a 47 mile, mile, mile per hour pitch and hit a home run if they've put in a position player 
How is that disrespectful? I think it is just as disrespectful for Rocco Bogdelli to care so little about a, the rest of the game he's going to put a position player in. Because you know what that says? It says I don't care anymore. It says I give up. I thought in, I thought in sports you don't give up. I thought that, that was part of being a professional. You don't give up. You play 100% until the game's over, whether you win or lose. I thought that was the rule. But no, I guess if, if if things aren't going your way, if things have gone pear-shaped, we've gone sideways, uh, we'll just put in a position player. We've given up. We'll, we'll just get, you know, just go, go go get a couple more outs and we'll just go sit this one out. No, that's not how you do this. And for Tony LaRusso to say those things about his, his own players, he's clueless? This 28-year-old's clueless? I, no, Tony, no. Uh, there'll be many times that I would defend you Saying, oh, yeah, I respect the old school, I respect Tony Russo. No, you got to follow the rules. But these unwritten rules are just stupid. Because I, I don't remember this being a thing. Now, Jeff Passan, who is uh, a baseball writer, uh, said posted this on the tweet. He said, in the last 20 years, MLB hitters have seen 557 pitches in a 3-0 count uh, with their teams up by 10 or more runs. And you're telling me that Mercedes was the first to swing? That's the first time it's ever happened. I don't buy it. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy that. Now, again, the Twins are having an abysmal season. They are 19-29. They're, they're not even a 400 team. They're nine and a half games back in the AL Central Division. And the, uh, the White Sox, who are in the same division, are having a great year. They're 28-19. They're, they're almost a 600 team. They're leading their division. They're having a great year. So it, it to me, it, I don't make any sense. Now, if if Mercedes is going to get some punishment, well, so should Rocco Bogdali for making the decision to put a position player on the mound. That, to me, no, you shouldn't be able to do that. If you're going to play the game, play the game. You don't get to pick and choose which unwritten rules you like to follow. Or, oh, well, we, we've given up on this game. Why? Why should you be allowed to just give up on a game? What does that say about you as a manager, your team, the city you come from, the ownership? Do you think the ownership is – can ownership be really okay with them just giving up on games? Yes, I know that they were up by 10 runs. I really don't care. What does that say to the fans, the young fans who are saying, you know what, if the team is up by 10 runs, well, you can just give up. You know, game's over, apparently. I don't care if they're going into the ninth inning. I don't care the fact that – that they were up by 10 runs. To me, that's immaterial. It doesn't matter. This is professional sports. This is Major League Baseball. You give 100% no matter what the score is, no matter what the inning is. And I really disagree with Tony La Russa. He is an old-school manager. I think everybody understands that now. But yet, why the, why the White Sox hired him knowing he comes from an old-school era and to think that he's going to be able to fit in into 2021 baseball? Now, I don't like using the current year argument, but to, but here it applies. The fact that he, he's going to you know pick and choose when he's going to follow these unwritten rules is, to me, is ridiculous. And the Jerry Reinsdorf, who also owned the Bulls, to me, has got to be scratching his head as to why he made this decision to hire Tony La Russa. Now, whether that's a front office thing that he doesn't necessarily deal with, if that's the GM, whatever, I don't know. Um, to me, this I don't doesn't make any sense. Now, I will give some defense to managers these days because 
a lot of their decisions that they have to make are because that's what the general manager wants, because that's what the front office and the analytics people want. But that doesn't excuse the words that uh, Tony La Russa said about his players. The fact that he said he wanted to spank him and he said he made a big mistake and this was a learning curve or this was a learning experience, to me it's just so denigrating to a, a guy who's having a great start to a season, uh, who is having basically like a Cinderella story of his coming to the majors. Um, to me, that just kind of doesn't doesn't make any sense, and that really caused a rift in the uh, White Sox clubhouse, which, I mean, it should. And everyone, everyone, every sports analyst, every uh, writer, every baseball writer is on the side of Mercedes here, saying that these unwritten rules are stupid, because if they were an actual rule, they would be written down somewhere. Because if they're unwritten, then they can just then people can just pick and choose when they want to follow them. They're more like an uh, an unofficial guideline than anything. So these unwritten rules need to be either get, need to be getting rid of or actually write them down in the rule book. Because we're going to create more controversy, more scenarios as to where oh Tony Larusa said something bad about his player because he didn't follow the unwritten rule that nobody knows about. That's stupid. And baseball has got a lot of these unwritten rules that you're not that nobody knows, and the, then we can pick and choose when we want when we want to follow them. To me, it doesn't make any sense. It's bad for the sports, bad for the players, it's bad for the cities, it's bad for the fans. It's just bad all around. And it's I think it's time that Major League Baseball needs to step up and deal with these things. Forget about what's going on with the Georgia voting law and moving the All Star game because of that. But yet, but yet. <laughs> But yet Rob Manfred will still keep his membership at Augusta, which doesn't make any sense. Because I guess Georgia's voting law is racist. So baseball will move their stadium, but yet I will still go to the Masters. <laughs> what a hypocrite. They need to spend less time worrying about voting rights and more time dealing with baseball. Because there's some real problems in baseball. This whole thing is is is, is a pretty big deal. Uh, the fact that there has been so many no-hitters this year, which I'm not saying no-hitters hitter, no hitters are bad because, you know, uh, Corey Kluber threw one last week, and we're, I think we're all very happy about that. But the fact that there is more and more strikeouts, we're getting more and more home runs, we're not seeing the ball put in play as much. Um, there has been obvious changes going on here. About two years ago, everyone was worried about MLB juice the balls because everyone was hitting a home run, it seemed. Um, to me, that that's a problem. There's There's always rumors of cheating scandals and uh, maybe the players will go on strike when the contract is, uh, the union contract is up, and dealing with Tony Clark and the Players Association is always a mess. And you've got the players and the owners fighting about them about about money and not about furthering the sport. You've got millionaires and billionaires fighting about money, which never looks good for anything. Um, and it really it hurts the sport. It hurts the it hurts the fan base. You've got former players coming out and saying that they can't watch baseball anymore because it's boring. Because all you see is strikeouts and the occasional home run. That's all you see now. There's no there's no, there's no surprises in the game. There's no nothing to keep the game interesting. And yes, baseball is a slower... The pace of baseball is much slower than other sports. But when you look at it... If you watch a football game, you know, from start to finish with all the commercials and halftime and everything, it's about the same time as you would to take it to sit down and watch baseball. You know, if you watch a pro hockey game, by the time you count all the um, the time in between periods and halftime, or they don't have halftime, but all the time in between periods and commercial breaks and all that, it's the same running time as a baseball game. Uh, I think the only sport where that differs is maybe uh, 
uh, soccer because they play 190 minutes, or I'm sorry, they play 90 minutes no matter what. Um, so, I mean, they've got to do something because um, you, you've got two schools of thought. You've got the one school that says, well, we've got to make all these changes. We've got to have a, a timer in between pitches, a timer in between innings. We got, we, you know, we're not going to do the, uh, for an intentional walks, they used to throw four pitches. Well, now they just say, okay, intentional walk, he takes his base. You've got a lot of changes uh, to the sport to kind of speed it up. You're also, they're also allowing things to go on as far as bat flipping and all of that, and it kind of denigrates the game a little bit. But then you have the other school that says, no changes at all. Uh, let's just go back to the way the game has always been played. You have people like Ken Griffey Jr. saying that, which happens to be the school of thought that I come from. We shouldn't make, I don't think we should make any changes to it. Just leave it alone. It was fine the way it is. But you got to deal with these unwritten rules. you got to deal with cheating scandals. you got to deal with the Astros, because the, uh, the Astros, in my opinion, were, were not dealt with pr- uh, appropriately. The fact that basically all of them got away with it uh, and are laughing about it is is unacceptable. And you got to deal with the Players Association. you got to deal with these things. So I, I hope I hope Rod Manford maybe loses his job when we get a real uh, commissioner of baseball in there who's actually going to try to make some real changes and not worry about voting laws and things like that. So, um, I'm sorry that you guys had to put up with my rant about baseball, because it ha- this happens to be one of the things that I love dearly, and to see it uh, go through these things that it really shouldn't have to is, is disheartening. But you know what, what also is disheartening uh, these days? is the way that actors uh, and people, and people of, in the business world and other folks just kind of bend the knee to China. Has anybody ever noticed that? The uh, NBA, uh, therefore, I don't. I don't think they still. I don't still. I still don't think they allow uh, players or coaches or uh, owners or whoever to put "Free Hong Kong" like on T-shirts or thing like or things like that. Because I know that was a big deal a year or so ago uh, because of all the problems going on in Hong Kong. Um, you've got them. You've got uh, players. Even like LeBron James, who are making excuses for things that are going on in China, because there's a lot of people in China. A lot of people like basketball in China. A lot of people like to watch the games. I think it was some 500 million people uh, watch at the NBA. That's a pretty large viewership. It's a pretty large base of people that watch your games, because that's more people uh, than that are in the United States. That's a lot of people, and that's also a lot of money. And, and also in Hollywood, in the movie industry, a lot of people make their movies over there. For whatever reason, uh, the Chinese film industry is very attractive to a lot of Hollywood, a lot of actors, uh, because just for some reason how they do things is just different over there. And there's also there's a huge uh, portion of that population like that likes to watch movies. So it makes sense on some level to not kind of – you don't want to kind of PO your uh, your – the base of people who are watching your movies or watching your games or whatever. I can understand that. But when you make a mistake and say something you probably shouldn't say the way you have to apologize and, you know, basically bend over backwards to to appease the CCP, to me it doesn't make any sense. So something like that happened uh, just here recently. Uh, the Fast and Furious star and pro wrestler John Cena. Everybody knows who John Cena is, you know. You know, you, you can't see him. <sighs> 
began learning Mandarin Chinese nearly a decade ago, but this month, by showing off his linguist, linguistic skill in, in Taiwan, he got into trouble in mainland China. So on Tuesday, Cena apologized for calling Taiwan a country in an interview he gave to a Taiwanese broadcaster earlier this month, saying it was not appropriate. So Taiwan and China have been, you know, have had problems here recently because China says, well, they own Taiwan, even though the Taiwan has its own independent government. Uh, it's its own independent territory. They're self-governed. It's an independent state. They're basically their own country. But yet China will not allow anyone to say that, which to me is completely ridiculous. So here, here's part of what John Cena said in Mandarin uh, in the his apology. He said, I made a mistake. I must say right now, I'm so, 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 so important. I love and respect the Chinese people, Cena said to his 600,000 fans on his Chinese Weebie account. I'm very sorry for my mistakes. Sorry. Sorry. I'm really sorry. You have to understand that I love and respect China and Chinese people. Um, <laughs> if you watch the video, it, it almost looks like a hostage video. It really does. It looks like he's got a, like someone's holding a gun to him saying you have to say these things. So he says that Taiwan is a country, the country of Taiwan. And everybody in China freaks out because uh, the China, the, the CCP and the Chinese government and the Chinese people think that they own Taiwan, even though they probably really don't. So they get all offended about it, and then they, they demand that John Cena apologize. And what does he do? He apologizes. Why? You made a mistake. You called, you called a country, you called... Which, which should be regarded as its own country, a country, and the CCP was unhappy about that. And because you have all these movie deals, and because Fast and Furious 9 was being released in these in this part of the world first, you, had, you were obligated to say so. So that really tells me that it's not so much that he was upset that he offended the, the Chinese people, it was more so because he doesn't want to lose out on the money. I think that's really what this all comes down to. He was upset that this could disturb the movie industry in China. And it shows just how fast, underneath all that muscle that he has, underneath all those wrestling, you know, his career as a wrestler, he's just a soft little man underneath. He should have said, you know what, no, I'm not apologizing for that. I made a mistake, whatever, move on, who cares? That's what, it, that's what, that's what, that's what I would have done. But he has to be—he has to kind of cuck out and he say, "Well, you know, I, well, I'm sorry," which to me, again, I don't—I just—I I get the money aspect of it. I, I get that. But why everyone in business, in the business world, in, in the entertainment world, in the sports world, why everyone is just bending over backwards to just appease the Chinese? I don't get it. Now, people will say, "Well, that's because the China's getting ready for its takeover of America." And I, I, to that I say, okay, all right, that's that's a bit out there, but okay. Or is it just because it's a money thing? Or is it because the CCP is saying, you know what, you better do what we say or, you, or we won't give you our money? That could be it as well. So I just, I, I just don't get it. I, I really, I just don't understand it. I, I just it seems kind of interesting how fast this has happened, how fast think movies are being made in China, how fast uh, the sporting world is being set up in China. 
Is that because China is coming out of the third world? They're coming into the first world. Their uh, their their economy is growing. The people are being lifted out of poverty, so they have extra time on their hands. They've got extra cash or extra extra money on their hands, so now they can spend it on things like movies, like going to basketball games, things like that. That could be true, and it also could be true that the CCP is an evil, evil government. They're an evil, evil state that that oppresses their own people. That. Uh, restricts freedom of speech, freedom of uh, freedom, like the freedoms that we that we would associate here in America, the right to a speedy trial, the freedom of speech, Second Amendment, things like that. They don't have any of that in China. In fact, they heavily, heavily restrict those things. Uh, they basically set up Skynet in China, where they're tracking everyone. They have facial recognition software where they can track people through cameras on the street. Um, they uh, the things that they have done with with Hong Kong are just abysmal. They're abominable, and the reason why no one's willing to say those things. You know, there's this there's the problem with the the Uyghurs and the camps. There's problems with people say with slave labor and factories making widgets and things like that, and the fact that no one is really willing to call that out. Like 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 Disney will lecture the rest of us will lecture Americans about human rights abuses, even though they made a movie in China, the live-action Mulan, not far from a supposed concentration camp where Uyghurs were being held. They, so they had all they had all the, uh, the right to lecture everyone else, but they couldn't say anything to China about it. Hmm. I, th- I find that very interesting. And I, I, I get being skeptical or being concerned about the rise of China, but... Uh, the f- people say, well, they're getting ready to invade America, which I, I, don't, I just don't buy because the fact, the idea that China is just going to pull a George W. Bush or a Bill Clinton and go globetrotting for 30 years and destroy their economy, destroy their countries, destroy their, destroy their culture, um, and do all those things uh, because that's what Bush and Clinton did, I just don't see that happening. I just don't see them making those same mistakes. Um, and I do think it. I do think the Chinese do plan out longer. They do think a long term, whereas American CEOs and other company, other companies in, in the U.S. just think every three months. They think quarter to quarter. Uh, sure, they do some long planning, but it's always about you know earnings, earnings, earnings. What's what's this quarter going to look like? What's next quarter going to look like? And there's nothing necessarily wrong about that, but you know everything is so short sighted. People have a very um, there's a word for this. I, for, I keep forgetting what it's called, but it's uh, it's like time horizons. That they have a, they have short they have short term time horizons, meaning that uh, they don't save people don't save money. They want everything instantaneously. They want everything right now. They're not saving money for a rainy day. They're not putting away money for retirement or for college or for anything like that. They're not putting money away to buy a house or to save money to buy a car. It's always well, I got credit. I can put a little bit of money down now and just give it to me now, 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 which that is a problem. And it doesn't seem like the leaders of the, of the CCP are doing that. Now, China's got its own economic problems because uh, they got a lot of debt, too, and they re- rely heavily on the United States to buy their, their imports or their exports. Sorry. So if they were to just invade the number one country they need the most economically— that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Because, you know, the, the U.S. can always go somewhere else. We choose not to, which doesn't make any sense, but they all, we can always go somewhere else and put our money somewhere else. But because all of the major corporations like Nike and the NBA and other things like that are so firmly trenched in China, is uh, 
is interesting. And people say, well, we're already at war with China because of the economic warfare. Well, capitalism is not warfare. The, the fact that people can exchange freely in commerce is a good thing, and that takes the pretense of war away. That's why I never really agreed with the trade wars and sanctions and things like that, because when goods and services don't cross borders, tanks and armies will. So I think we have to be careful of that. Um, I'm not, you know, there are problems with, you know, uh, what they call slave labor and kids working in sweatshops and things like that. Yeah, that, that is a problem. But you also have to realize that that's the way the whole world was uh, not that long ago. You know, not that long ago, uh, we had sweatshops and we had, you know, what could be constituted as, as slave labor here in America during the Industrial Revolution because we just didn't have... We didn't have the amount of production that was needed to create the five-day work week, to have the weekend. Uh, there, for the longest time, and this was true for every culture and every society, there, were, there was child labor. It happened here in America. It still happens in other places of the world. And that was the norm not that long ago for the whole world. It's only because of capital uh, accumulation. It's only because of savings and investment and growing a society and growing an economy to where we can now have the luxury of not sending kids to go work in the fields or in the factories. That's what wealth creates. Wealth creates a better society where maybe you can have one parent stay at home and raise the kids, where you can have schools for kids to go to. But I think what happens is, is that people in the first world, where we have gotten rid of all those horrible things, coal mine, people working in the coal mines getting black lung, uh, kids working in factories, things like that. We've gotten rid of all that because of our wealth and because we have uh, built up all this capital where we don't have to do that. So we look at the world with our first world eyes and see countries like maybe it's India, maybe it's places in China or other or otherwhere in the world, or other, where, other places in the world, where they're still in the third world. They're trying to come out of that third world. And they, they look at the world with their first world eyes and say, that's wrong, we have to make this change. And they, what they're doing is by making those changes, putting sanctions or saying you can't have child labor, you can't have these so-called sweatshops or whatever, is that you are, you are removing rungs from the ladder of success. Because if your choice is work in the factory or work the fields, if you live in one of these countries, well, that's your choice. You can stay and work in the fields on your family farm and be worth nothing and just continue the cycle of poverty. Or maybe you can go and work at a factory learn some skills and maybe move out of this poverty maybe you can move out of the third world but what happens is if you come in and say well you can't have those factory jobs because it's you know it's an unpleasant work environment well you've just now destined them to go back to the work in the rice fields which nobody's happy working in rice fields I'll tell you that <laughs> so it's very it's a very first world very privileged point of view to look at the world and say those things. Now, that doesn't mean I doesn't mean I, I think the child labor or sweatshops or things like that are okay. No, those things are awful. But you can't just ban it and thinking, well, that well that well, that's gonna make the world better now. If we just ban child labor, it'll never happen again. Or that will somehow make the world a better place. It doesn't always work that way. You know, people will say, well, you know, child labor here in America didn't end until it was uh, was done away with by legislation. Well, no, it's not necessarily true. You know, kids had to work in the fields, had to work the farm, had to work in factories because mom and dad just didn't make enough. And that was true for the longest time here in America. And like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't until 
we had that capital capital uh, accumulation we had the capitalism we had freedom we had stores and savings of wealth where we could build a society we don't have to do those things anymore and that's possibly what's happening in other in other third world countries so yes it's it's going to be unpleasant for a period of time but hopefully if they adhere to the to capitalism and things like that maybe they can build a better world out of it but just to come in and say oh well we know better because we're from the first world uh, doesn't always work out and it turns out uh, people might resent those kinds of things. So, so yeah. So, uh, so if you uh, if you learned anything, please send me an email. Uh, send me a tweet. Um, I'll be back here. You'll hear from me again on Friday on the main show. Jacob and I are cooking up a good one over there. I think we're going to be talking about Dr. Fauci. Maybe some uh, maybe some uh, I don't know, maybe some lies that he has been saying. So we talk about that on Friday, and then I'll be back again on Wednesday with another episode of The Joe Show. Thank you all for listening. Peace.